shall we at this time from Acts 6, 1 through 10. Hear the word of the Lord. Acts 6, 1 through 10. And in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews, because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, Is it not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables? Wherefore, brethren, look, out, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the same pleased the whole multitude. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, or Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch, whom they set before the apostles. And when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. And the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. And the great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. Then there arose certain of the synagogue, which is called the synagogue of the Libertines and Cyrenians and Alexandrians and of them of Cilicia and of Asia, disputing with Stephen. And they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spake. Thus ends the reading of God's holy word, shall we pray. Father, we ask your blessing upon your holy word by your Holy Spirit, that your people might become a holy people who worship you in the beauty of holiness. In Jesus' name, amen. Now the meaning of deacon is several but really one and it's rendered as servants in the bible like in matthew 20 20 where it speaks about how um, christ came not to be ministered unto but to minister and to give his life as a ransom for many the word minister there is um, the word deacon the word minister there is the word deacon and and it's the word also uh, in other places for servant, although servant is also a different word, slave. But the idea of serving others is not only implicit but explicit in uh, diakonos. Uh, diako, which is an obsolete word, means to run errands. You ever had somebody run errands for you? Usually that's the person who's also your coffee person, right, in the office, or the water boy um, uh, on the team. Uh, or dioko, which is uh, the uh, Greek word, an attendant, a waiter on tables, or one who does menial tasks, a Christian pastor or teacher who does menial tasks. Uh, and what, of course, that means is that he, he's not adverse to work. <laughs> he, he's willing to put his hands to the plow. Because there are a lot of tasks uh, in the ministry. There are a lot of tasks before pastors 
There are a lot of tasks before elders. There are a lot of tasks before deacons, especially deacons, as we will take note of. But the main idea here is that it's not menial because if it is, then our Lord, um, our Lord's church is menial. It says in the Bible that we are to condescend to men of low estate and be not wise in our own conceits and not be high-minded. We're to, be, to, we're to have a servant's heart, a humble servant's heart. Because our Lord Jesus did, as I've already indicated to you, who came not to be ministered unto or to be deaconed, but to minister, to deacon others. And he washed the feet of his servants, which I think was quite illustrative of that. Because to wash the feet of anyone is very demeaning. And especially if you're the servant of the house. We have servants in the Philippines. And they wash the feet of of people, as it were. They're, but they're paid to do that. But we're talking about someone who's not getting any payment for this, who's doing it free gratis. Now, along with the elders, the deacons established the provisional government of the church. They're officers of Christ's church. That would extend a call to the pastor. I just throw this in just for your information, your FYI, because this is very important for our congregation. And I wanted to share um, something from uh, what's called the Manual for Home Missions, the Home Missions Manual of the RCUS, the Reformed Church of the United States. And in uh, one part in the procedures for organizing a congregation, it talks about what to do. And I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I just wanted to point out one thing. In organizing a congregation, guess what? You have to have or you should have as much as possible. First, what? A pastor? Nope. Elders and deacons. It says, for example, <clears throat> very first step, seek approval from the respective classes for organizing as a congregation with the submission of the following items and amongst them, besides the articles of incorporation, church constitution, a memorial with signatures, is request that elders and deacons be ordained and installed by the spiritual council providing oversight. And then in number two, it says something to the same effect, except now it says that they need to be ordained. Spiritual counsel shall oversee the nomination, election, ordination, and installation of elders and deacons. And then in number four, the congregation shall extend a call to a pastor. So what does that tell me? That elders and deacons are very, very important. For one, and without them, you don't really have an, a, a, an organized church or a particular church, according to the reform, um, the reform uh, criteria uh, for, for a church. You don't have a church yet until you at least have those who are beginning to come up into it, if not already are in those places. Because it's, it's taking the corporate wisdom of the body to be able to wisely call someone who will be win-win for you. So that will be a happy marriage, right? Because that's what it's all about. Not everyone fits together. Not every pastor is good for every church or any church. Although, although one thing is true, and we've learned this from the Belgian Confession, that is if you're a pastor or a, an elder or a deacon of any church, you are a pastor, an elder, or a deacon of every church. <laughs> and wherever you go, you can be invited to serve there. Yes. Amen. Praise God. Isn't that interesting? 
So, anyway, getting back to our, our study on deacons. We consider this the lowliest office of them all, right? <laughs> you, you'll start to, to, to think otherwise, hopefully after this. So, you see how important the office of deacon is. Now, my proposition this morning is this, or this afternoon. God wants faithful deacons for his churches. That's what he wants. He wants that. Maybe they don't necessarily see that or even want that. Some churches don't even have deacons. Some churches don't even have elders and deacons, or have only elders but not deacons, or have only deacons but not elders. But God wants elders and deacons and pastors for his churches. Why have deacons? Well, our context here uh, of this, uh, this crying need for ministry to the to the widows, and there were a growing number of widows because the church was booming. And can you imagine in those days, a widow, in those days was a widow indeed. Not like today where they have support of various kinds, okay? And I won't get into that. But back then, if you're a widow, you're a widow indeed. You were on your own, especially if, you're, if you have no sons like Ruth at one point, not Ruth, Naomi at one point had no husband and then had no sons. And so God works, and this is how often God fills the need. Because that's what He does. God works in the milieu of a fallen world full of need. He doesn't work in abstract. He doesn't work uh, in uh, abstract concepts, as it were, or in, uh, in a theoretical, uh, experimental lab. He works in the world. He works in people's lives. He works in you and in your family's lives. That's how he works. And that's what was going on. There, were, there was this great need of, uh, of, of neglect. It was neglect, outright neglect. They overlooked it. And, and so whether it was intentional or not, it was neglect. And um, so the apostles wisely put their heads together, called a consistory meeting, as it were, or classes, and, um, and said, it's not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. There's the definition of what would be the office of deacon or the, or the person of a deacon. A, a server of tables, a waiter, or a wait, yes, a waiter of tables, on tables. And, and it was incumbent on the brethren to look out among them seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom they may appoint over this business, so that we may continue to give ourselves over to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. That's what the pastor does. Um, but yes, there are times when I need to do other things, but that's theoretically what the division of labor is in the church. Deacons were set apart as servants of mercy to assist the teaching ministry of the church. Later it would become the office of deacon or diaconate. From the start, the apostles lay their hands upon deacons to show that they are Christ's officers of his church. Seven men. The word for men is aner, which is based upon the word andros, which is a male person, not female. 
a man, not a boy, or a husband of one wife. Deacons are responsible for the care of widows and the poor. Wherever they're to have their eyes open in their community, but especially in the church. As it says in Galatians 6.10, as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto the household, unto all men, especially unto them which are the household of faith. And I, I, I don't want to in any way embarrass uh, uh, Angel's family, but I, I do have to refer to him because it's the only way to make this, to make this, um, to really do justice to this, to this study of deacons, this office of deacons, which I've never preached on before. I've taught it uh, privately to future incoming deacons, but I've never really, really uh, preached it. I may have taught it, I think, uh, one time about eight years ago uh, to a group of, uh, of you all uh, at that time, but, um, but it was not in the worship of our Lord. But didn't uh, Deacon Angel, and as, as we uh, fondly call him, Deacon Angel, uh, care for our poor and our widows? And now we have, as it were, the opportunity to return the favor. And uh, as a family that uh, has uh, been there for, for Emilita, and I just praise the Lord for that. Who can be deacons? As I did last time with elders, I broke it up into their person and their work. And so their person, it says in verse 3 again, Wherefore, brethren, look out among you seven men of honest report. Someone you can trust. Someone you know you can rely on. Someone who will cover your back so that you don't have to cover your own back. He can't be a thief. Oh, Judas Iscariot happened to be one. Right? Because they do also act as accountants because the waiting on tables is not just um, in the restaurant but it's also the accountant's table in the bank for example and the first Timothy 3 8 likewise must the deacons be grave they must be dignified not double tongue not given to much wine not greedy of filthy lucre that's Another word for this, money. And though deacons are servants, nevertheless they are one of two offices, as I said, in the church of the living God. And this is an aside. Actually, could be three offices if you count minister. could be even four if you count theological teachers like the RCS does, as it's found in our Constitution. But once... You found this person of, of, of this uh, reputation. Let these also first be proved. It's not enough just to bring them in. They need to be tested. And perhaps that's something that uh, is why some churches have a long, extensive process of training. Like, for example, our brother Yevgeny, although he's been through the rigors of uh, a licensure exam, and the rigors of an ordination exam, it was put through the same study as what one would get in a seminary, and the same rigors of examination as that of a classes for a minister. He got as one to be an elder of a church. It took a lot of eating humble pie for him. 
and that shows again the demeanor of our brother. And I'm glad he's not here because I, I wouldn't, if he was here, I wouldn't bring him up. Um, so <clears throat> let them be proved, tested over time. And the best way are through trials. Because trials, especially the trials of our faith, be much more precious than of gold that perish, but be tried with fire, may be found, may be proved into the praise and honor and glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Then and only then let them use the office of a deacon being found blameless, he goes on to say in verse 10 of 1 Timothy 3. <clears throat> Paul said at one point when he stood before uh, uh, the powers that be, he says, and herein do I exercise, my, exercise myself to always have a conscience void of offense before God and men. I'm before God. I'm an officer of the Lord. I'm a messenger of the King of Kings. I cannot speak with a double tongue. I cannot speak anything but the truth. And if I do otherwise, I've dishonored not just my office, but I've dishonored my Lord. And so hence, according to 1 Timothy 3.9, he is able to hold the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience. And his wife, if he has a wife, Paul didn't, but Peter did. <laughs> Even so must their wives be grave, not slanderers, sober, faithful in all things. Behind every great man is a great woman, <laughs> a woman of God, praying. And children, and children too. Let the deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children and their own houses well. If they're not doing that, they're not fit. If, if a pastor, for example, as, as Paul said to Timothy, if a pastor does not rule his house well, he's not fit to be a shepherd of the flock of Christ. In the case of, of uh, these men who were chosen, obviously they had... Uh, wives if they did who were of uh, reputable character and also children. Now the children may or may not be saved at that point but outwardly speaking they are of that demeanor because it's up to the Lord that any of us are converted and as such the fruit don't fall far from the tree as the saying goes which takes us to their work how useful are they and let me say this, the office, by the nature of it, is very useful. And it takes men who are willing to put their hand to the plow of being a deacon to be a deacon. And look at the results when, when they use that office well, as Paul exhorted. And the word of God, verse 7 of our passage in Acts 6, and the word of God increased. And the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. Is that a small thing? Isn't that something we all hope for? Isn't that all we, what we all long for, even in these many years that we've been together, some of us, uh, for, for God's kingdom? Yes, we would like some of that to also flow into our church, of course. But you know, like when we give out the gospel, we're not, I'm not just giving our address for them to come to our church, but um, we're providing the names of 
churches where they're nearby, that are nearby to them. Because we know how people think. We, we, we're, we're all the, you know, of the same ilk and we have the same needs. And so we're trying to be practical. As much as we'd like someone to drive two miles to two, two hours from, you know, Yuma to come to our church, that's not practical. And deacons have to be very practical. And they are the ones who are using that office well. So isn't that what we look for? Isn't that what we pray for? Notice in that order, the word of God increased and the numbers of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. The truth must be faithfully taught and preached and lived. And that must be the drawing power of the church. And not all these means and programs and things that entice people to come to be entertained, to have their ears tickled. Like that love, like they preach with that lovely voice that, that, that woos and, 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 and uh, causes the people to, 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 to is the word swoon? <laughs> I forgot what that word is, but cause the people to, uh, you know, like, like, like that, you know? Um, go to sleep is what, they, what happens is, is, what, is uh, when you hear a lovely song, like Jeremiah says, the people go to sleep. But when the truth is faithfully taught and preached and lived, then the Lord is pleased to bless. And as it says in the book of Acts, he adds to the church daily such as we're being saved, meaning we're being saved by him. And you had true bona fide conversions. You had people who are not only willing to be church members, but who are more interested in becoming disciples of Jesus Christ. To not just talk the walk, but to walk, talk and walk, talk the gospel and walk the gospel. There's a big difference. And then take note of what happened in, in that same verse following and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. Now, it singles out priests. Well, what about the Pharisees? What about uh, the Sanhedrin? Well, I believe that God is, 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 is showing the effect of, of when the church is doing its word and deed ministry, as we call it overseas. Uh, when the church is doing... The word and deed ministry. Not just the word ministry, but the word and deed. You can't go over to these poor countries and expect them to gather there when they're starving, their stomachs are growling. You have to feed them. One time, I remember, we invited a group from a poor neighborhood who actually were coming through the help of a rich person who had a bus. Or no, it was a bus or it was a large truck, I think it was. And he would literally bring them, the poor people from this uh, disenfranchised uh, section, the, squad, the squatter area is what it was, to the church who were being converted. And then uh, the church had a party, but there was only enough food for the guests, meaning you know, ourselves, our, the pastors that were being entertained, that were actually there to uh, supply the pulpit and to teach the word of God to the congregation on that Lord's Day. And so they had to send the people home. No sooner did we find out about that. No sooner did we see them 
going out, immediately the word it was, it was asked the uh, pastor, where are they going? And then of course they said, we don't have enough food. Uh, so anyway, we, that, that whole, that whole, uh, that whole uh, uh, agenda for, for the fellowship lunch completely was altered. And, and it went from just, you know, a few families to the whole church, you know, eating. And that was the way it should be, right? <laughs> Amen? <laughs> yeah, I remember that. It was very memorable. Um, a great company of the priests. Deacons are a modern-day priest, is what they are. We're, we're called prophets and priests unto God through our Lord Jesus Christ. But deacons particularly are like a modern-day priest. Because they're doing the work of a priest, interceding actually interceding for the people, actually they're praying with the people, actually going to their homes and finding out their needs, asking them how we can help as a church and giving wholeheartedly and not holding back and not saying, well, we can only give this much uh, and that's it and that's your limit. No. The church needs to be better than the government. And you know how generous the government is, right? To a fault. <laughs> well, we need to be generous to a fault. Can I, can I say that? And believe that God will supply all our need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And He will and He does. Peter says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. And that's not odd. That's special. That you should show forth the praises of Him who hath called you out of the darkness into His marvelous light. And what better way... Can we do that then by loving God and by loving others and our neighbors and especially our brethren? <coughs> and interceding for God with spiritual sacrifices like what are talked about in Hebrews 13, 15, and 16. In Hebrews 13, 15, and 16. Now these are much more than just money. These are much more than just what people bring into uh, the church and offer to God <clears throat> these are other kinds of sacrifices and listen to Hebrews 13 15 and 16 by him that is by Jesus therefore let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually that is the fruit of our lips giving thanks unto his name that's a praise that God cherishes and relishes and delights in and basks himself in and his people are of that heartfelt and giving spirit but then he goes on but to do good and to communicate forget not now before you think communicate i know what that means talking right no that's actually the word for giving. That's another word for communicating in practical terms, in material ways, in ways that will benefit the body as much as the soul. Both. Because with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. This seals it for me as far as deacons and God's people as a whole being priests unto God. And offering sacrifices that are well-pleasing to God. 
like the Heidelberg Catechism question 32 describes, that I may present myself a living sacrifice of thankfulness to him. This is what the child of God wants to do after Christ, who has done that perfectly uh, in total to the glory of his father when he came to this earth and when his meat and his drink was nothing short of doing the will of his father and, and finishing his work. And that finishing of his work required his giving up everything. And that is his life, his life. Deacons are not hired custodians and accountants of the church. They represent Christ. They're spiritual men. They're in spiritual offices. Someone wrote, actually this is a handbook that's written for elders and deacons. The office of the deacons is the office in which Christ continues his priestly work. He is doing his work. Christ is doing his work through you. Through you as deacons, those who, I've been a deacon. I remember I was recruited to be a deacon. I didn't know what a deacon was, but I was visiting widows already, as it were. And so they decided, well, you're doing it. So here, you know, we'll put you in the office. <laughs> I said, okay. <laughs> um, no problema, you know. And, uh, and um, I know that um, it is a great joy but moreover, it is a great honor because it is the office of Christ I am fulfilling as our priest. And it says of our Lord in the scriptures that he was in all points tempted like as we are, tested with everything thrown at him from hunger to homelessness to persecution to sufferings of every kind that we can just, we will never, never fully fully imagine finally even the death of the cross and and all the way through he was doing it with delight I delight to do the will of my father his laws within my heart and deacons represent him the office of the deacon is the office in which Christ continues his priestly work do we have good examples when the Bible there's Stephen who is said to be full of faith in the Holy Ghost. Something about the word Holy Ghost just makes me want to stand up and, and you know, praise the Lord. <laughs> Where he stood before the council, before the powers that be of, of his day, who falsely accused him of blasphemy, who were ready to find everything in the book to throw at him, to stop him, to shut him up, because they couldn't stand the fact that he was preaching Christ. You see, when you preach Christ, the world cringes or fights back and will take you out if they can. You're on the crosshairs of Satan. Let me, put, let me tell you, if, if you are an active Christian. And Stephen was said to be full of faith and of power and did great wonders and miracles among the people. I mean, God gave him the gifts that he gave to his apostles of miracles, of even raising Miracles such as raising the dead. But then there were those of the synagogue, and that's often where they resort to first. They go to where the, the, the word is being uh, taught, in this case incorrectly, and that's where the dispute began. And, and they disputed all these different uh, Jews that uh, were there, and, and even Hellenistic Jews, those that were, uh, were God-fears that adopted the, the, the Jewish religion and, 
and join the, their, their particular synagogues there. They're all there. They're all huddled together, ready to take him out, disputing with Stephen. And you know what? They couldn't. They were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit with which he spake because they were resisting the Holy Spirit. They are resisting God. And think about our first deacons, how they, they were just like lights like, like that. Stephen and then even Philip, as we'll note shortly, equipped by the same Holy Spirit as pastors and equipped by the same Holy Spirit as elders, full of faith, full of wisdom, full of the power of God, full of the Holy Spirit. And how about the second deacon of the seven that is talked about? There are only two that are mentioned of the seven. In um, Acts 8, 5 through 8, I'd like to read, read it. <clears throat> Acts 8, 5 through 8. It tells us what happened after the first deacon was taken down. He was taken out, Stephen. But God's deacons are indefatigable. Because God is, is with them. And if God be with you, who can be against you? Amen? So, Acts 8, 5 through 8. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria. Let me just pause for a moment. This is the city where Jesus went. And who did he meet there? The woman at the well. And the seed was already planted there. And this, this seed was growing. And there were disciples being made. In this, and, and it was said to, by the Lord to his apostles, who are now here now. See, they're here. This is like, fast forward, right? And lo and behold, he, they were told by the Lord. They said, you're going to, bear, you're going to harvest where other men, other men have sown He's speaking of himself first. Himself. Because they didn't they were out getting food, right? And when he was talking to this woman, and it was the woman who was telling the people of the town, of the city, about Christ. And it was spreading like that. And they would later, that is the apostles, start a church here. And this is the time at the coming of Philip, who was not a missionary. Not an evangelist. Well, he is an evangelist, yes. He is, by virtue, is fulfilling the role of an evangelist, an evangelist. But he was not a minister. He was a deacon. So then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. Take note of that. He preached Christ, not church, not uh, uh, this is what you need to do, A, B, C. He, he set forth Christ in all of his glory, in all of his righteousness, and all of his truth, because only the truth, the truth will make you free. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake. And we wonder why. Well, we know the word already had been planted there. Hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. Well, that helps. That corroborates uh, that this is from God. For unclean spirits, crying with loud voice, came out of many that were possessed with them. And that's probably in the world today still. Because our, 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 our adversary, the devil, is still as a roaring lion going about whom he may devour. And, 
And, and there it was. And, and, and look what God did. When the gospel comes in, lives are changed. Satan is rebuked. Rebuke the devil and he will flee from you. And many taken with palsies that were lame, were healed. There was a significant number of them as well. And guess what? There was great joy in the city. And why not? Why shouldn't we be happy? Why shouldn't we be joyful if God does this? And we know it's from God. Philip stood out for the king of kings. He took a risk. He knew that, his, that the crosshairs were on him too. And not just of the devil, but of the Sanhedrin. He knew that. And he went out anyway. And this was not where he ended up also. He went on to talk to uh, a man who remains nameless, but whom we call the Ethiopian eunuch. The treasurer of Candace, the queen of Ethiopia who was reading the scriptures when they came upon one another. And he asked this treasurer. You understand what you're reading? <laughs> hey, come up, come on up here. Let's, 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 you know, let's, let's talk, you know. He was, he was, it was a wise gesture on his part. And of course, the next thing you know, He's asking, where can I be baptized? Oh, there's water over there. What does hinder me to be baptized? In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, you are cleansed from your sin, and not just from the baptism, but from the gospel of Jesus Christ. And baptism is a sign and a seal of that experience in his soul. And so Philip stood out. In the daily ministrations of the widows, he stood out along with the others. And fulfilled his office well, but in more ways than one. More ways than one. And I remember our brother Angel preaching in the open air. I sent out this video that was handed to me by Jerry. He happened to record one time when Angel was preaching in front of Petco Park. And you, if you, if you happen to look at it, you know what I mean. I mean, he preached with boldness. I will always remember that. I was there. I saw it. And I believe Eric was there too, and he saw it because he preached as well. And what a servant heart, servant's heart Jeremy has. Jeremy is our second deacon. <laughs> you think about it, we only had two deacons in our church <laughs> that I recall. Um, in those few years as our deacon, I tell you, I couldn't find a, a more diligent and hardworking person. And here's a person who's an officer of the U.S. Navy. Yes, non-commissioned, but that doesn't make any difference. Senior chief, he pulls rank wherever he goes, okay? Except in the church. <laughs> and like, like Angel, I could talk about him because he's not here, right? Okay. <laughs> that training in the U.S. Navy that took him, took him to high places came in very handy in our church. He was also good for counseling young men. He was, because that's what he did in his job. And he would tell me all about that. He was diligent to apply those skills in the kingdom of God. He just started out as an elder, just fresh as an elder when he left us. And I, and I know given time and prayer, he would have been able to teach and preach from behind this pulpit as we uh, request like a uh, Elder White uh, to uh, supply the pulpit. 
to exhort the brethren, we call it. And also in the open air, even came, came up to me and says, you know, I'd like to be able to do that. Lord willing, Lord willing, he was one who uh, prepared himself, you know, for these things. But he, he knew it would encourage me and he said that to me. And while he never got to preach here, although he did give his testimony, he, he wasn't able to come through for us when we asked that he would preach one time before he left, nor even teach a class on a regular basis. Uh, yet I believe that God has equipped him not only with knowledge and wisdom, but also with experience and most of all with his Holy Spirit with power to be able to do that, to be able to do that. And that for wherever the Lord uses him. In conclusion, let me read to you what the RCS Directory of Worship states. Deacons are appointed to assist and support the pastor and elders in those services which apply to the material needs of the general household of faith. They have the honorable charge of caring for the poor and needy and of making certain that the charities of the church are properly dispensed. He sure did that. Angel I'm talking about. Both of them carried the books. but And both of them at the end were doing that until we handed over to another church to the Philippines because we're like the clearinghouse for all the funds of our denomination and others to the Philippines. And they did that diligently. I, I remember the ledger of uh, Brother Angel. It was all handwritten, but man, it was complete. That was the final source, you know, uh, for any uh, correction of any uh, questionable uh, transactions or uh, transfers of, of monies. Um, they are to aid in securing funds necessary for the support of the church in its various activities. They are to labor among the people to make, uh, in making known to them the needs of the church, fostering the spirit or principles of stewardship, and in this way cultivating the spirit of liberal and cheerful giving. In discharging these duties, however, they must not lose sight of the true spiritual character of their office. For although the office of deacon may often be occupied with outward and temporal things, it nevertheless always remains a proper branch of the Christian ministry. And its purpose in all things can only be the eternal salvation of men in the world to come. It is for this reason that in the New Testament so much stress is laid on the character and life of those who are called to participate in this work. They must be men of honest report, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, who may be able both by word and example to help advance the great purpose of the gospel, making the services to the material necessities of the poor, the occasion, the occasion, the opportunity. It's a window. It's a window, especially in a world that is crumbling around us like it is right now. And I'll tell you, that's how God is going to bring His elect in. We endure all things for the elect's sake that they may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. And this is one very important avenue, window. The Apostle Paul, writing on this subject in his first epistle to Timothy, expressly requires of deacons the same virtues, which are qualifications for the office of elder. And I remember, this brings me back to when they were examined by Sacramento. You, some of you may remember this or have heard it, but not all of you. Well, anyway, when we were bringing them on board as uh, new elder and, and deacon, uh, they had to be examined. I, I thought only they... I thought only the spiritual officer, uh, the elder, would be examined, meaning uh, Alfred in this case. No. They, they said, bring deacon, bring angel also. 
And Angel, he was just like, huh? <laughs> and I remember when we arrived at the church and uh, they examined Alfred and he came out, you know, sweating bullets. He was sweating bullets when he came in, he came out. Well, they were starting to, to dry the perspiration, okay? But there was someone else sweating bullets right after him because he was next. And he went in there and he came out with flying colors. And I tell you, I remember the first day he preached in the open air. He preached with such gusto, such boldness. It reminded me of Stephen. It reminded me of Philip in the Bible. And I remember when he had his memory verses on stickums, you know. And at one point it was like they fell out like, you know, like you have your wallet, you know, with all those uh, uh, card holders, you know, like that. And they just put it back in. <laughs> That was, that was a delightful time, I tell you. Delightful time. First Timothy 3.16 states, For they that have used the office of a deacon well, purchased to themselves a good degree. It's like going to university. Only this is a degree of dignity, or a grade of dignity, and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. Bar said hi. It is not just for any man. I'm sorry. That's just how it is. Someone said, Spurgeon, don't enter an office unless you can't help it. And then you know you're, you're supposed to be there. I'm reminded of Isaiah's call into the ministry when in Isaiah 6 8. I'm turned in closing. Isaiah 6 8. Let this be one of those memorial memorial uh, signs. Now uh, there are landmarks. Let this be a landmark. The landmark verse. For the church, especially for the servants of the Lord. Isaiah six eight. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, "Whom shall I send?" See, the Lord is calling out. He's calling out, who will, who will I send? And who will go for us, the triune God? And what did Isaiah say? Here am I, send me. Here am I, send me. And the Lord calls any of you men, or those that will be coming up in the future, how will you respond? Shall we pray? Father in heaven, we are just so thankful to be able, Lord, to focus for a moment, as it were, on this uh, lowly office. And indeed, it is lowly. It is lowly by the very nature of it, although it is exalted by you. It is lowly because of the people that occupy it, who are your humble servants, Lord, who will probably be forgotten in annals of history and time, but they'll never be forgotten by you. They are they, are, they and their service to you will be etched in the kingdom of heaven. And the Lord, they are the ones to whom you will say in that great day, well done, good and faithful servant. Lord, help us all to learn from this, to glean from this, to benefit however, Lord, you would use this in each of our lives as we know that we have a different path from the other. That we're not all called to be elders and not all called to be deacons and not all called to be pastors. But Lord, 
whether we are or not, we are to excel in whatever those are because we have been given a high calling to be believers, to be children of God, to be disciples of Jesus Christ, to be members of Christ's church, living members of the church of the living God. Oh, help us, Lord, in whatever capacity it is. But especially we pray for this church that you would, Lord, prosper it in these areas of service and especially in the ordained offices of elder and deacon and pastor. To you be the glory.